Wonder Things Studios proudly presents Archivos Insights, conversations with today's storytellers. You've tuned in to the Archivos Podcast Network. I'm Dave Robison. And I'm Marie Bilodeau. And you've tuned in to Archivos Insights. Archivos Insights is a podcast featuring conversations with the stellar luminaries of the storytelling firmament. I love that word. (laughs) We're all striving to refine and improve our storytelling chops. And what better way to do that than to ask amazing crafters of stories about their processes. Indeed. I think it's a a good model. It's worked for us so far. Let's keep doing it. I agree. And... Actually, we're going to change it up. <laughs> Not that I've said that. You uh, just said. I know, <laughs> right? Let's keep doing it. Oh, no, let's change it. Let's change it now. <laughs> but but first, I need to acknowledge, first of all, friends, thank you for tuning in. It has been a long time since an episode of the APN has dropped, and that's because Archivo, the Archivos launch was an experience nigh unto the rapture for me and all the positive and negative connotations thereof. Um, and we're finally getting our feet back under us and getting us back under a, 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 a fairly consistent production schedule. But it means, Marie, you and I have not shared a, a, a podcast moment uh, uh, in a long time. And I've missed you, ma'am. You've been doing some amazing stuff out there. I have missed you as well. I've had fake podcast moments by myself, but it's not the same when I'm just talking to myself. The brainstorms are really not at all the same. <laughs> they just don't have that that scope, that depth. I understand. I understand. Well, I, I understand that. I, I absolutely do. And I'm sorry to put you through that. But look, we're here now. Let's make this happen, okay? Please, let, let's just, I've been waiting and, and it's been lonely. I know. And, and you know, we are changing it up because in, now instead of one, we actually are bringing our listeners to guest hosts at the same time. The internet may collapse, but we're going to soldier on and, and, and hope for the best. Uh, I, I felt the earth shake. I'm a little bit nervous, <laughs> but I'm ready to follow along. Good, good. Just we'll pace ourselves. It'll be fine. And, and <laughs> friends, in case you're wondering, no, I haven't done a full-on stalkerish, uncomfortable intro for both of them. Uh, we're not going to be here for a half hour waiting. Are they ever going to talk? Uh, so no, but I, I've got a nice abbreviated version for each. Marie, That's because I- the last guest host asked for a safe word. That's why. <laughs> That's right. I remember. <laughs> do I need to? Do we need a safe word? No, you don't. It's not the way we roll. But Marie, can I introduce you to our our guest hosts for this episode? Please do. Oh, thank you. Well, all right. Let's let's do this. Our our first guest host, and I don't know. Let, let's call her Margaret just for now. Uh, studied French history at the American University in Paris for a year. Really, if you're going to study French history, do it in France. That's just awesome. Before getting a BA in French and creative writing at Simon's Rock at Bard College, or as it was known back there, Simon's Rock College of Bard, or just Simon's Rock. And again, if you're going to study creative writing, then go to a college named after the coolest character class ever. I mean, that just, that makes sense. She's doing everything right. Uh, And then she wrapped up her academic pursuits with an MFA in writing for the screen and television from the University of Southern California. Now, 
I can tell you from personal experience that the thing you get your degree in is not always what you end up doing. And I'm sure many of our listeners can relate, especially the theater majors like myself. But not so with guest host Margaret. No, while I'm sure there were countless filler jobs and paying the bills gigs, the bulk of her curriculum vitae is quickly jam-packed with some high-profile writing gigs, including stints on ABC's The Middleman and The Unusuals, and flying her geek flag proudly as a co-writer for an episode of the sci-fi channel's Eureka, which is a personal favorite I may fanboy about later. Um, But for now, I'm keeping it together. Then the world got large when she became a writer and director for the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. Now, if you haven't seen this astonishing thing, but it sounds familiar to you, we discussed it with Andrea Phillips during one of her visits to the big chair here at the APM. Now, the web series was lauded by The Guardian as, quote, the best Austin adaptation around and was the first web series to win an Emmy as well as numerous other accolades, like a streamy for best writing and best drama series. And I will tell you, Marie, that It came out steamy during the rehearsals, and that is just a whole different award set. Uh, I I don't think that's what it was. No, it was a streamy. It was very definitely a streamy. (laughs) From there, she became a writer for Emma Approved and the co-creator and co-showrunner of Welcome to Sanditon, both Lizzie Bennett spinoff series from Pemberley Digital, the latter of which was nominated for a 2014 IAWTV Award for Best Social Media and Interactive Experience. Now, she has also written for the upcoming Netflix series Dark Crystal Age of Resistance airing next year. Again, fanboy moments are ensuing. (laughs) Her short story Jane (laughs) appeared in issue 19 of Shimmer Magazine, and she has another literary credit to her name, but we'll get to that in a second. First, we have another guest host. Let's call him, I don't know, Brian, just as a placeholder. Uh, (laughs) He began his academic pursuits as an English major at Williams College, but an internship at the Harry Frank Guggenheim Foundation fostered an enduring passion for international affairs. Now, the foundation funds social science research about violence. And the experience opened Brian's eyes to the complexity of global political conditions and instilled in him a desire to do something about it. That led to a master's degree in international affairs from Columbia University's School of International and Public Affairs, and he served as senior editor of the Journal of International Affairs, the public policy journal of that esteemed institution. Now, concurrent with all of that, He finished his first fiction novel while he was in grad school. It was called Spaceman Blues, a love song inspired by events witnessed during an internship in Guatemala. He shopped it around broadly because he was genuinely uncertain as to what genre it fell under. Uh, But that question was answered when, after a lengthy process of literary fiction publishers responding with bafflement and confusion, the mighty Tor Books snapped it up, and Brian was introduced to the infinite parsing nuance of sci-fi subgenres. From there, he went on to write Liberation, being the adventures of the Slick Six after the collapse of the United States of America, also by Tor Books in 2008. His novel Lost Everything won the 2012 Philip K. Dick Award. 
His novel, The Family Hightower, released in 2014, is an international crime thriller that explores capitalism and organized crime in the 20th century, the legend of the self-made man, and what money can do to people. It seems like a very timely book, Marie. It's something we might want to read now. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) And he's had his short fiction published in the Welcome to Dystopia anthology, Glimmer Train, Brain Harvest, and more. He's also collaborated on an operetta titled Red Giant with Adam Matlock and an illustrated book conceived and edited with Matthew Swanson and Robbie Bear titled The Last of the Real Small Farmers. And I know there's just so many ands with this guy. And (laughs) he's the arts editor for the New Haven Independent, a local five day a week online publication reporting the news and events of New Haven, Connecticut, and a freelance editor specializing in publications about economics, public policy and international affairs. And he, too, has another literary notch in his writerly belt. Both of our esteemed guest hosts joined Max Gladstone, Mer Lafferty, and Andrea Phillips in the writing of The Book Burners, an ongoing serialized storytelling experience published by Serial Box Publications. And friends, if you have not experienced the fabulosity that is serialized fiction, I can think of no better way than through the compelling narrative and fascinating characters and world-building of Book Burners. They have released three seasons of exceptional urban fantasy goodness. And for those new to the Serial Box model, a season is 10 to 16 episodes slash stories, roughly 10,000 words each. And season four of Book Burners is imminent. I can literally, Marie, if you listen, you can hear it burning through the upper atmosphere. Destined to detonate into e-readers tomorrow, June 13th. And the epic badassery of the Serial Box experience is that you can enjoy it as an ebook or an audiobook or both. Really, it's just an enlightened publishing model. And just it blows my mind every time I think about it. So we are doubly delighted to double up our guest host for this momentous occasion. Dear friends, please join me in welcoming to the big chairs here at the APN Virtual Studios, Margaret Dunlap. And Brian Francis Slattery. Uh, Margaret, Brian, thank you so much. I can only imagine what a froth both of your lives have become with the imminent release of Book Burners Season 4. So thank you both so much for making the time. Froth. That's great. That's great. I can, I can feel it now. Yes. It's a welcome respite from the frothiness. The frothiness. Yeah. And, and, and while that is copyrighted uh, for the Ar- Archivos Podcast Network, I am willing to license that word for use in, in future reference. Just, just I, I will be, my lawyers will get in touch with you. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Am, am I right? Is your is your life now just a, a, a mayhem of of podcast recordings and Twitter and all the things? <laughs> I just well, I mean, finished. I don't know about you, Brian, but that's what my life is constantly, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's that. There's definitely that. There's, I think it's always it's always pretty frothy. I'm, I'm not going to be able to stop saying that word. It's, it's okay. always <laughs> <frothy> <laughs> But I, I did just finish. I did just finish a, a post for for uh, a blog about how fun it has been collaborating with everybody on book printers, which is great. Yeah. It's, it's the sort of thing that I've been rehearsing for four years as I explain what it is that we're doing. 
<laughs> it was actually yeah. very easy to write. One of, of the joys, actually, of there being four to five of us in any given season is that the publicity chores do get sort of shared out among all of us. Yes. So excellent yes. point. Yes, yeah. He writes at me, that. so I don't have to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's my job to just sort of crank out <laughs> pieces. So. See, that's another checkbox in the another, plus What's column. another piece, you know? That's awesome. <laughs> very cool. Well, look, I, we, we, Marie and I both have very specific questions for you guys. So let's dive in. As we, we generally try and set a clock for 20 minutes of conversation. We always ignore it. Uh, but, <laughs> but it's good to, good to have goals after all. So I'll set the clock. It's good that you we'll set get, it. <laughs> We'll get, it, we'll get into our 20-ish minutes with Margaret Dunlop and Brian Francis Slattery. Now, my first question is, uh, you know, obviously there's a, there's a large team. There's, there's five of you working on book burners. But for you two in particular, you both have very different backgrounds. And, and you bring some very <laughs> unique perspectives and experience to the team. So I'm curious... Um, when the call came in, and Margaret, we'll start with you, and then we'll then we'll switch over to Brian. Um, when the call came in with the offer to write on the Bookburners team, what made you say yes? <laughs> um, I'm I'm laughing because I feel like there there's the philosophical and the practical uh, answer <laughs> to that question. <laughs> feel free to wax rhapsodic on both. That's legit. Yeah. I mean, the, the practical question is that I was just coming off of spending two years doing Lizzie Bennett and attendant properties, which was amazingly creatively fulfilling. But I was also, you know, looking for a new paying gig. And here's things saying, here, do something new and different. And it's like, I like working. So that was, as always, an inducement. But, um, but I think part of the reason why Julian, uh, Julian Yap, our publisher, why he approached me was, you know, he had this idea to bring the model of a TV writer's room and see if you could apply that to serial fiction. And he had a group of people together and they were all, you know, primarily or, or mainly novelists. And I think the idea was, this is the first one we're doing. Maybe we should have somebody in the room who's been in a TV writer's room before. Practical experience, yes. <laughs> well, well done. Well done, yeah, well done. Yeah, so so I, I came and, uh, and I was able to introduce everyone to the joys of index cards and Sharpies. <laughs> and uh, the, the story of how we learned the difference between what TV writers think think when they say outline and what book writers think when they say outline that was a, that was just a beautiful coming together of our culture All right, i'm making a note to ask that question later <laughs> yes but yes. Ryan, what about you what uh, uh when the call came in uh and and you're going hmm book burners what 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 flipped your trigger what made you say yes so my thing is actually the other way around in a way um i was talking to julian about something else completely different um we we just we we're, we're we're friends so i was asking him what he was doing and he mentioned this project and i was like i would love to do something like that and i sort of talked my way onto it um <laughs> i think that he uh i think that he assumed that i wouldn't i, I think because of the nature of the books i had written before that he just uh, you know, I, he just said like i didn't think you'd be into something like this and i was like i would love to collaborate i was getting really tired of just kind of doing my own thing uh I think partially because I'm a journalist and also a musician where I, I work with other people a lot. I love doing that. 
And I'd been wanting to do something like that with fiction for a long time. So as, as soon as the, even the idea of, you know, Ooh, collaborative fiction project, count me in. Yeah. I was, I was, I was really all about it. And, um, that that instinct has proven to be really great. I mean, it's, it's collaboration is something I, I I don't know. I I just feel like I just feel like the ideas are better when it runs through a bunch of people. <laughs> first, you're, you're preaching <laughs> to the choir here, Brian. Well, yeah. We're all about the brainstorm. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was like, I think I think that like at some on some level, I was sort of peeking over the shoulder at things like theater groups, you know, which do put a lot of things together in groups, and mm-hmm. sort of being very jealous of that process. So. Uh, <laughs> It's been really fun. In Hollywood, we say the difference between uh, screenwriters and TV writers or like TV writers are writers who like to have, you know, a social group around them. Yeah. Screenwriters <laughs> just go off and hide right. in a room someplace. Cabin. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I can see that. I can absolutely see that. And I'm sure there's personality profiles to back that up. Uh, very interesting. And, and just uh, let me let me tag on to this. And Brian, we'll start with you and then we'll 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 pop on over to Margaret, but after that initial rush of getting into it, getting up to speed, having Margaret <laughs> instruct everyone on the process. Uh, uh, thank was, you, uh, by the way, for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that was invaluable going forward, especially given the, the television-esque model that the that, cereal that box is following. What did you find to be your, uh, uh, your your superpower within this writing group where when 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 the conversation turned to this <laughs> what did you go oh i got that that's mine <laughs> so i i didn't i actually wasn't quite sure exactly what i was contributing to the team at one point until i uh, i showed up for one of our meetings and i i was late because i had a i had a, I had, i'm a musician as well and i i had, I had a gig the night before and i showed up super late to this meeting and i came in and i said what have you guys been doing and they said well we've been talking about you know exploring more of the world of magic and book burners and we've been we've been saying that we're not quite sure how it works except that you seem to know (laughs) true fact (laughs) and i thought oh i guess that's my job so like i'm the get for showing up late right i'm the weird I'm the weird magic guy. I, I had no idea. I, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a journalist. What do I know? But it turns out that I'm the, I'm the weird magic guy. I, I seem to be the person who knows how this other world we've created works. That's awesome. <laughs> I, really, I, I really don't know why. If you're going to have Anybody a superpower, you're right. great. I don't really... <laughs> You know, if you're gonna have a superpower in the writing group, being the weird magic guy, I mean, yeah, you know. it's kind of awesome. <laughs> and, you know, it's all right. I'll you know the she fits. I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll wear yeah. the t-shirt. You oh yeah. yeah. Margaret, we we did you? a weird publicity piece for like I want to say it was like season two or three that was like everyone was supposed to write like a little bit, and it all came together. It was like you know who would you be on your demon fighting team, and and finally Mer started it that and. You know, she was apparently a waitress at a wings place where these weird demon stuff was going down. And it kind of went from there. But like all of us were writing our bits and we we're all like, well, we're all pretty sure that Brian is actually on the demon side and is going to betray us all. <laughs> and I Brian wrote that. his last and he's like, I demons, like, that. they're just misunderstood. <laughs> Talk about devil's advocate. Demon's advocate. There you go. <laughs> he like, shut up and he just ran with it. That's awesome. <laughs>
We'll be back with more of our conversation with Margaret Dunlap and Brian Slattery after this brief promotional break. If you're a storyteller, you need to check out Archivos, a new story mapping and development tool from WonderThink Studios. Archivos provides storytellers with a unique opportunity, the chance to actually see the network of interaction between the story elements of their settings. Through Archivos' interactive narrative maps, storytellers can discover and explore the patterns and structures that illuminate their stories. Archivos even allows you to share those maps with your readers, providing an utterly unique and compelling format for fan engagement. Archivos really is the story mapping and development tool for today's storytellers. Learn more about Archivos at www.archivos.digital. That's A-R-C-H-I-V-O-S dot digital. Archivos, your stories illuminated. Now, let's get back to the conversation with Margaret Dunlap and Brian Slattery. Margaret, what about you? What was your superpower in the ensemble? Uh, well, I think my, my superpower initially in the ensemble was definitely sort of that organizational level of things. I, I discovered through interacting with these guys, which has just been amazing for my, for my fiction and prose chops, TV really forces you to think about stories in very structural ways. And I think among TV writers, I'm a moderately structural person, which makes me an insane structuralist among fiction writers. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I think that was one of those early things, especially the first season, because our first story summit, we did a lot of kind of character work and our, our break for the season arc was pretty vague when we started out. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the laugh of Brian knowing exactly how vague we were yes, starting out. I, I agree with everything she says. <laughs> <laughs> and I was writing episode three, which was like, Sal is homesick and weird stuff is going on. And totally, we had like three sentences for each thing. This is what's supposed to happen in this. Yeah, that was sad. That was that sad. Was, an yeah, adventure. we look back now. We're like, what? What were we thinking? We were and like, and somehow we pulled it off. Like, and now it was all okay. <laughs> I hope I'm not airing our dirty laundry, but like it's season four. Like people yeah. season one. Yeah, whatever, whatever, man. <laughs> but it was like, but I remember because I created there was this yacht with this evil ooze in it, and there's this mention of the guy who owns the yacht who wasn't there but wanted his crew to find a book for him, and then I was writing the like not the next episode, but like I was writing three and then five and I'm like, well, I need a villain for this one. I could make up another one or we could bring back the owner of that yacht. Yes. Um, and he became like our secondary big bad for the first season. <laughs> in retrospect, I'm kind of glad we did it this way. Cause in some ways, like some of, some of the stuff that we kind of just stumbled through ended up making us look like we were really good planners you know yeah, it, it really affirmed it gave a sense of continuity across the first season it was superb yeah. it was excellent yeah, we, we hit a very good balance between the uh, the planning and the pantsing yes i thought so i thought so well and given given the ensemble group that you had you would have to oh god i'm, I'm talking way too much marie i want to yield the mic over to you ma'am what what questions do you have for margaret and brian 
I do have one question, but but I feel like before we proceed to it, uh, I just want to hear a little bit more about this outlining here because we've just got like the little shots, and I want to hear like Margaret if she can maybe set it up for us so we can picture it, and then, and then Brian give us give us your insight into your impressions of. It. Oh yeah. Brian, you should probably start because I want to hear your side. <laughs> oh yeah. So, so the the long the long story short of this is that until I was on the Bookburners team, I had never outlined a piece of fiction ever, like ever. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it, it will not surprise you to learn that my first outline was like it was not even an outline. It was it was like. It was like eight sentences, and I was just like, I don't know what to do. I was like, I do not know what to tell you about about this. I, I don't know how to. It was it was like I felt like I was in elementary school where they're like, and now you can learn to write in cursive, and I'm like, what's cursive? It was. It was <laughs> and then, I've never seen these quigglies. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it was terrible. And then I uh, then I saw someone else's outline, and I was like, oh, that's. <laughs> now I get it. Yes, I, I needed a model, I, and and then after that, um, now so since then though the the like the outlining, which really like I think of is like I'm summarizing the story that I've already written, but I haven't written it yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. And go. now that so I have like you know that my my outlines now are are, are getting close to like fifteen hundred to two thousand words. And then the, mm -hmm. the actual episode is like 10,000 to 15,000 words. So it's really substantial. And I'm, I've become a big fan of it, obviously, because while it's kind of fun to sort of write an entire scene in a sentence, you know, and then, and then know that I'm going to flesh it out later. And then when it comes down to writing the episode, the writing happens like really fast because right. I, I've already worked out so many problems that, you know. You've already uh, told yourself the story. Yeah, and then, and at the same time, like so. So the reason when the reason I never outlined anything before is because I had this like total delusion that like somehow it wouldn't be that much fun if I outlined it all. I was like, oh, if I outline it all, I'm going to know what happens, and I'm going to be bored, and then the writing will stink. And then that turned out to be like a total farce because, for starters, it was really nice to know what I was doing before I was doing it. And then, the, the second part of it was that it like, you know, for all of the things I'd worked out in the outline, there were plenty of things that I had not yet worked out. Yeah. Yeah. So even that sort of like the process of kind of discovering how to, how to get through small problems in your, in your story was still very much alive and well. And you know, that, that kept it, that kept me interested. And so it, it allowed me to write as well as I wanted to write. Well, and I also so, imagine that outlining will also, I mean, when you're, when you're on a production deadline and you need to write X number of words in X amount of time, period, absolutely. and end of the story, oh, the yeah. pantsing and is more, not going to work. I mean, mm -hmm. more importantly is that you need to be able to show the other people on the team what it is you're planning. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. I think they the, can't the, work I, until they do. There's no way, hmm. yeah, there's just no way we could, especially now as we're a, a few years into this and the plots have gotten, um, you know, more intertwined and a little more complicated. Like I, I, we wouldn't be able to do it unless we were, we were outlining them first. So we could all, you know, have a look at what everybody else is doing. It'd, sure. it'd be impossible. Margaret, how, yeah. how close, how close did Brian get to, to the distinction <laughs> between TV outlines and writerly outlines? 
No, no, that that is that is pretty much because in that that first sort of round of the first season, you know, Max was writing the opener and we're like, OK, everyone will need to write outlines. I'm like, great. Outlines are coming in. Like, you know, I in TV, your outline is your sales document. Like you've pitched your story to uh-huh. the network. But oh. then the outline is where you're really you're writing out. You're basically writing out everything that's going to happen in the episode by scene with slug lines. Um, and the first show I worked on, uh, The Middleman, we were doing a bizarre show on a low budget. So it was like, <laughs> we do not surprise the network with anything we're planning to do, because if they're going to kill something, we need them to kill it early so that our departments <laughs> haven't wasted prep time building, you know, mm. the cannibal fish that we're not actually going to use. <laughs> <laughs> It was that kind of a show. (laughs) So we would turn in, you know, maybe a 17-page outline. And yeah, it's in Courier 12, but you're turning in a 17-page outline for a 60-page script. Right. And so we get the first outlines in and, you know, and Max turns in his and Brian turns in his. And it's like, you know, a bullet point of eight sentence fragments on half a page. (laughs) And I'm looking at this and I'm like. It was like like Trump's budget. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, you know, remember when they handed in that thing? This is my public policy guy talking. Remember when they handed in that one page, like, here's what our national budget is going to be? It was like that. (laughs) And so I turned in my outline, and it's, you know, I was restrained. It was like six pages long. It was this whole thing, and I'm breaking out, and this is the scene, and this is what happens in the scene, and this is how this scene is driving us into the next scene. Right. And And that's when I went, oh. oh. So I do also have to admit, because the one of the adjustments for me was like how much story fits into an episode, a one hour episode of television versus how much story fits into 12,000 words of fiction. And I think Murr's note was like, this is all very exciting, but there's a lot going on in this. And I'm like, well, it's easier to pull out a complication than it is to try to shoot more in one um over the years i think we've definitely kind of met in the middle like my outlines are not quite as obsessive as they were in the past and we've all sort of you know like brian said you know 1500 to you know 2000 words or so of this is what's going on these are the stories and this is how we go from scene to scene so my favorite ones are the ones where it just says then there's a big fight (laughs) (laughs) that's legit that is totally legit You know, then there's a big fight. Unless unless there's some <laughs> critical plot thing happening in that fight, that's all you need. Yes. That's yeah. All. yeah. There's, some, there's, some there's a big fight, and then you say, here's what happens after the fight. Well, and yeah. it, it's interesting. <laughs> well, that's I, the annoying thing, because considered... in TV, I can just say there's a big fight and stop, because the fight coordinator will work all that out. <laughs> yeah. And then me, <laughs> but the, the interesting thing for me is that like I've started to get very into writing fight scenes. Um, which is one of the reasons I signed up for this gig in the first place. But, you know, this whole sort of like, I love the whole interior monologue of someone as they're fighting. And then you like, you like stop time so that something awful can happen. I, I love it. <laughs> you, you can zoom the lens in, the, the literary yes. lens in right as big as yes. you want. Mm. Nice. Margaret, I yeah. really hadn't considered the, the notion that as a TV writer, since so much more can happen in a visual medium, that you can pack more story into a f- in, into a slice of time as opposed to how much story we can fit into a, a typed uh, experience. That's that's interesting to me. 
Yeah, I think it is. It's just it's a slightly different uh, bucket size that you're working in, and there are things that you have to spend words on right. in For prose that so on. Yeah. you just don't in TV. I mean, you do to a certain extent, so you make it clear to everyone who is reading the script, you know, how this is visually going to be brought to the page, but like you know. For most ordinary things, like, you know, you can set up, it was a kind of shabby coffee shop. And what that coffee shop ultimately looks like is going to depend on, you know, a lot of practical considerations. You know, can we find an actual coffee shop? Are we going to be putting set dressing up in our hallway to make it look like a coffee shop? You know. And as a writer, then you you would actually, you know, if if there is important details in the coffee shop, you you can't just put the camera on that. You have to describe it and and infuse it with the, the significance it needs or deserves. Marie, you were going to ask a question before we wax rhapsodic on the fascinating <laughs> on distinction outlining. between TV outlines <laughs> and writing outlines. I, I really wanted to. I mean, I, I write, I mostly a pantser at the beginning when I wrote fiction, but now I'm more and more of a plotter because, you know, I don't like editing myself that much. But so <laughs> this was fascinating. Thank you. Um, yeah. I, I did have another question. If we kind of shift gears a little bit here, what I found fascinating about both of you is you both have very busy creative lives. I mean, multiple projects, different writing styles, or, or even completely different creative pursuit from music to writing. And it just maybe give us a little bit of an idea because I think a lot of creatives struggle with this is how do you juggle it? Do you find that it works well? Does it come tumbling down on your head regularly, concussing you slightly? Or, or is it something that energizes you? Give us some ideas here and you can go in whatever order you feel is best. Oh, don't make them choose. Brian, you should. Don't make them choose, Brian. Okay. <laughs> um, I, you know, in my case, it's, it's that I say yes to everything. <laughs> unless there's unless there's like a really good reason not to I tend to say yes to things because I'm always curious as to where they go and then what happens is I completely overschedule myself and I think why did I do that and then I cultivate my coffee habit and I <laughs> and I go through jags where I just don't sleep very much I mean I, the the the, the uh, yeah, I mean the, the big thing. The big thing You're that's like going the out the window of of literary styles here. <laughs> yeah, I mean really Small the big thing is cocaine going, and be on it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you know, coffee is a great thing, but, but, but the, it's really just that I don't sleep that much during those stretches. And then I've right. I figured out how to like then then I realize my calendar is super full, and then I intentionally don't schedule things and i catch up on sleep that's smart. do you do like marathons then like coffee laden marathons for a while or yes yes i i guess i do as much as you can remember because he tends to black out during those times as well so yeah yeah but it's, it's, it's not so much in the way of juggling as it is kind of just like you just race to the finish line and right. i think that the biggest thing that i've learned I mean, especially from being, uh, especially from doing journalism is that, you know, while it's very nice to have an afternoon to write a large chunk of words, sometimes you really only have 40 minutes to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. and, it and it turns out that you can, like if you, if you're forced to do something in a really short amount of time, you can usually actually get it done. Right. You know, if it's, if it's, if it really needs to be done hmm. and Sometimes it just really needs to be done. <laughs> <laughs> deadlines yeah. is deadlines. The other sort of important piece of that is that you don't, um, you know, I don't think of it as, it's not that I, it's not that I think, well, I'll just hand it something sloppy, but you say like trust in this process of editing and, 
you know, and revision. It's like a, if a first draft needs to be in, you just hand in a first draft and you say, you know, I've done the best I can here. Here are some problems I see with it. And you can fix them later and you can keep the process moving along, which I think is like really important. You know, the yes. whole idea of just, just keep that ball rolling. Yeah. And smart. don't make don't make too many problems for the next person, but you also don't have to fix every single problem right now. Have yeah, faith just, in the team. Have faith in the team yeah, and the process. Just, just, enough to, just enough to like make sure that every, that everything stays on track. And that's you know that that sort of strategy is something that I that I didn't have before and now have. That's that's awesome Brilliant. and and good good advice for collaborative mm-hmm. work. Excellent. Yeah, Margaret. What about Thank you? you? Uh, yeah, it, something Brian was saying was reminding me of the very early days of uh, book burners, which were also the very early days of Serial Box. And I, I think it was Julian was telling us that, you know, he was tell people about the project and who was working on it. And they would all sort of, you know, they would think about Murr and Max and Brian and no one knew what the heck my prose was going to be like. And there was sort of this things like... <laughs> These are all weirdly different voices, but what we all have in common is we are all or have been freelancers. So we're all sort of used to that idea of, you know, going in (laughs) and getting the work done, you know, and I think that is sort of the reason for a lot of my eclectic projects is being a freelance hustler and, you know, taking the opportunities as they come. And sometimes they come in strange orders or at strange times. <laughs> I had uh, I had two projects I worked on went live in uh, just this past month in May, and they were Barbie Dreamhouse Adventures and State of Decay 2 video games. Talk about a representative polarity right there. That is oh, awesome. Yeah, Please so, tell so me I posted- at one point. Please tell me at one point you sent one assignment to the wrong person. <laughs> I, I never did. I was rarely working on them at the exact same time, but I did post on my like on my Facebook. You know, it's like, hey, this is what I'm doing. And it's like, not only am I pretty sure I'm the only person to work on both of these projects, I may be the entirety <laughs> of their audience overlap. <laughs> I am a huge fan of Barbie Dreamhouse Adventures, so I'm going to fangirl on you later on. <laughs> Yay. I don't think any of my episodes are up yet, but it's very oh, exciting. They seem to be doing well. <laughs> that's cool. Oh, that is very guys. I, I hate to say this, but the clock uh, has has pulled a book out and slammed it down on the ground, and there are these weird energies <laughs> emerging from around it, and it's glaring at me. Um, Can we use I, that for? Episode. <laughs> I, think, I think it means we're done. Uh, either that or I'm hosed. One of the two. Um, let's let's go with the uh, let, let's go with the former. Margaret, Brian, this this has been inspired. This has been great fun. Certainly, first and foremost. But I, I feel like my writer's toolkit has expanded dramatically in the last twenty esque minutes. Thank you both so much for making the time. Oh, well, thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Marie, What am I right? I'm sure your toolbox has expanded somewhat as well. What are you taking from this episode? I am taking a lot from this episode, um, but I particularly love the um, idea or, or the the energy that they brought, which was just, just get it done. Just do it. You got to write more of an outline. Learn how to write more of an outline. You got to juggle these three projects, juggle these three projects. I just love that energy that they both had of this is cool and and let's get it done. I absolutely adore that. What about you? Well, it's... 
I kind of felt the same thing. I was I was definitely getting a lot of I've always had respect and admiration for the freelance writer who can within this con- time constraint, you know, 40 minutes, give me give me, you know, 500 words on this. Go. And bam, turn it on and away it works. And I'm and I'm sure it's just a matter of you do it enough, you pursue it enough, and and those creative networks in your brain fire up and away you go, and that's awesome. Um, but uh, I, I can I'm constantly astonished at at hearing the various tools and processes that are put into place that facilitate that, like the outlines, uh, and also the revelation that that a visual storytelling medium allows you to cram more story into us. Well. And it's, it's time and it's not pages. So how do you compare? That just kind of baked my noodle for just a little bit. And, and I'm, 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 you know what? I, I use that phrase, baked my noodle all the time. And people look at me like I said something awful. Well, I'm really glad that somebody else is out there using that phrase. Clearly they haven't seen the matrix. Hello? I, exactly. Right. I, as soon as it was said in the matrix, I was like, what a great phrase. I'm owning and, that. And yes. You and I are the only people who see it's genius. <laughs> that, and, and now we can both use froth extensively as well. So. <laughs> Very good. All right. We are having a froth at the moment. Yes. Friends, I, I'm sure you dug the last, uh, let's, let's call it like it is 30, 40 minutes of convo uh, with these two <laughs> astonishing writerly uh, uh, literati. Now here's the cool thing about the Archivos podcast network. If you come back in seven days, we're going to have Margaret and Brian back. Marie will be here, thankfully. And you can't get rid of me because I'm the host. So, so we're all of us going to come back and uh, we're going to add to this this already dense algorithm of awesomeness a guest writer who is going to set the table for a brainstorming feast and I anticipate mayhem and pandemonium and literary gold by the time we're done. But that's seven days from now. I know that's a long time. Marie, God, it's it's been so long. Surely you have some advice for our listeners as to what they can do to make the time between now and then fly by. I do, I do. And, you know, part of me is saying like, well, it's summer, they might be going on vacation. But no, even if you're going on vacation for fun for the next seven days, write 300 words a day. That's it. Just get into your story and get it done. 300 words, even if you're somewhere, do it on the beach. Who doesn't want to write on the beach? Just don't get sand in your laptop. <laughs> but that, that is what I recommend. Or, or an outline. <laughs> write an outline a day. Write an outline. Hey. 300 words of an outline a day. <laughs> It's all good advice. It's all good advice. And I will tell you, friends, I always do, that you find what you're looking for. So if you go out and look for the wow, look for the, oh, look at that. If you go out looking for the awesomeness in the world, trust me, friends, you will find it. We'll be back in just seven days. Until then, you guys stay cool, stay frothy, and stay awesome. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. This episode of Archivos Insights is copyright 2018 by WonderThing Studios and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. To find out what that means and how you can use this content in your own presentations, visit www.creativecommons.org. Theme music for this episode of Archivos Insights was performed by the Hepcats of Brotown. Gary Gold, David LaBroyere, Billy Nobel, and Matt O'Donnell. 
If you would like to be a guest writer or guest host, join in on the conversation, or just learn more about the Archivos Podcast Network, visit our website at www.archivos.digital and click the podcast link. That's A-R-C-H-I-V-O-S dot digital. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast and on Twitter at Writers Podcast. And you can always email us at podcast at archivos.digital. Thanks for listening.